Welcome to the Today Is About podcast. I am your host, Ayo Tajani. Let's get into it. So, yeah, I'm welcoming Hannah to the Today Is About podcast, and today is about eco lifestyles. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yeah, welcome. It's really good to have you on. Um, so, well, Hannah knows this, but this is really for everyone else who's watching. Um, Hannah, Hannah was supposed to be the first person on the podcast. And in some ways she was, but that episode never went out. So this is our reworked episode uh, because Hannah wasn't actually in the country at the time we, sh- we no. did it. Mm-hmm. And now she is. So yeah. here yeah. we are in the studio talking eco lifestyles, but specifically the zero waste challenge. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, firstly, what was the zero waste challenge? Well, I to give everyone a bit of context. Then I was living in Hong Kong mm. for about I want to say nine years, which is a really long time. Because <laughs> um, I only planned to stay there for maybe like six months, a year max. Yeah. Uh, my parents are originally from Hong Kong, yeah. so I went back. Uh, nine years ago just to just to feel it out see what jobs I can get I uh, grew up in London I went to school with you Io, as you know we went to school together yeah. it was amazing <laughs> no it was well that's enough story but it was great being with you I'm glad we went we did it together basically yeah <laughs> yeah um, a lifetime ago yeah because we're both old um, <laughs> and living in Hong Kong Um, about five years ago I just had a bit of a revelation Mm. Um, I was working for a food magazine at the time it was just a very decadent sort of lifestyle going to I know it's first world problems but like (laughs) going to restaurants and having foie gras and wagyu beef and you're like on a daily basis and just trying all these things great 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 but then after a while I just sort of thought it was just so much um it did was it just... feel like wasteful and extravagant and just yeah. extra and unnecessary to the max okay. I mean I was doing tastings probably on a daily basis so I mean it was it was that mm. um for for my life for about two years and I just thought it was so much and then going around Hong Kong I don't know I mean sorry you have been before I went to visit Hannah yeah um with our other friend which was amazing but yes I have been and what were you going to say about Hong Kong? And it is a really fun place, really busy, very yeah. lively city, or was. I mean, yeah, um, pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic was a great place to live. Um, and there's just so much waste everywhere you go. Every mm. turn, every corner you turn, rather, and mm-hmm. um, you would see styrofoam boxes everywhere. Everything's delivered in plastic. Going to the supermarket, my gosh, everything, every piece of vegetable would be wrapped in plastic and then yeah. it just hit I just hit a point one day when I thought okay this is too much mm. and it doesn't seem that Hong Kong is recycling yeah. so let me try to follow let's say a plastic bottle mm. and see what that life cycle is and does it actually get recycled and just trying to do a bit more research so that kicked off the idea of a zero waste challenge mm. so you know taking influence f- from the US yeah 
uh, from Australia, places like this. Mm. There, there's a thing called zero waste living that was already yeah. in place yeah, yeah, yeah. when I started. So I just took influence from that, and I was like, can you actually do that? In a place like Hong Kong, mm. and can you do that for a year? So I basically pe- pledged to live a zero waste lifestyle for a year, yeah. um, and then see where that took me and what I learned. And the whole idea really was a learning process of yeah. of what gets recycled, what doesn't, um, what the system is like, um, and is there things like wish cycling and and, and green washing? Um, is that really true? In a place like Hong Kong. So I have a question. What is wish cycling? Because I've heard of greenwashing, never heard of wish cycling before. It's when you go like, oh, I have this flimsy piece piece of plastic. Mm. Uh, I don't know if I can recycle it or not. It doesn't say on, you know, the councils are really good here. They tell you exactly yeah. uh, where to put each yeah. piece of recyclable material. But let's say it's not on that sheet. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to put it in the bin, in the in the recycling bin, yep. and wish for it to be recycled. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and there's a lot of that because yeah. when you think about the different types of plastics, there's something there's there's by the way um, seven types of household plastic oh, that okay. we can recycle. Yep, yep. Um, so it goes from number one, which is your regular PET bottle. Yeah. Uh, you can find this out if you turn over the any type of packaging and then you'll see that um, triangle there um, and then it has a number in each of the triangles. Yeah. Um, so it goes from one to, to, to six, let's say, mm. and then seven is simply just labelled as other <laughs> and that's where it gets really confusing because that's because that's where a lot of plant plastics are yeah. um, and then a lot of it a lot of the cities cannot take in and recycle because maybe it's a PLA plastic right mm-hmm. so then it's like a um, it's made from plants yeah. it was made from cornstarch for example um, and they say it's biodegradable, but you still need to put it in a certain facility. It has to be heated to a certain temperature yep. uh, before it even gets broken down. Yeah. Um, so with that, if you then think, oh, this looks like a piece of plastic. Mm. Uh, it's like my, my cutlery or a plate. It says number seven. It looks like a normal PET or, or PP number five plastic, which can get recycled yep. quite easily. If it's a number seven, I put it in the recycling bin and I wish for it to be recycled. But then at the end, um, it might actually cause more damage to the recycling system because it's harder to then separate those from the the number ones and the number fives. So I always thought, because I I get a bit, I wouldn't say I'm militant about the recycling, but I have been known to see something in the bag that I'm like, that's not recyclable and take it out and like put it in the bin. So... I always thought if you put something in recycling that actually can't be recycled, you've contaminated your bag. Well, it depends on what it is. I think yeah. it's the level of contamination. Okay. So let's say you you have a number seven plastic and it's full of your your leftover lunch, which is really greasy. Yeah. So then if you do that, or even any type of plastic, and it's like full of oil, mm. you put that in the recycling bin, there is likelihood, yeah. it's not guaranteed, it's likelihood it might not get recycled because it costs the city more money to sort, clean, separate and then store yeah. that rather than just getting a clean bit of recycling. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it's really impo- important 
to wash it first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It has to be clean. Um, and not everyone knows. Not everyone knows. They just, like, find these bins. They're like, oh, I'm doing a good thing, putting it in there. Things like Tetra Pak, mm. um, those, those little cartons there. Yeah. All over Asia. Yeah. Um, but you can't, it's layered with, with metal, with plastic, with paper. Mm. So it's really hard to separate it. And you need special machinery to separate it. Yeah. And then usually there's like a juice box, right? So there's lots of juice still in it, residual. It's harder to clean. Mm. I mean, with the zero waste challenge, because it sounds like it was a real challenge, because Hong Kong, especially when you did it, what, five years ago? Yeah, five or six, I don't know, COVID, yeah, it, I've lost my years. <laughs> I lost three years of my life to COVID. Um, but um, when you were doing it, because I remember kind of like looking at it and like seeing what you were doing, um, and we have talked about it before, but when you were doing it, like Hong Kong's like moved on a bit now compared to when you were doing it. And I remember when I came out to visit you, which was after you had done it, and um, it, it felt like, you were the anomaly, you know. Um, just to put it into context, we went to a restaurant and Hannah brought out her... Um, <laughs> you brought out your own uh, takeaway stuff. I don't remember this, but yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I did. Yeah, because you were like, I can't finish this, but I'm not wasting it. Yeah. So you brought out your own takeaway stuff, you packed it all up, and then... <laughs> <laughs> I think the way it was a bit like, mm-hmm, what's happening here? Um, but you were really on it with that kind of thing. And it did feel like you were the on- anomaly. Um, so, and that was what? That was a li- just before the pandemic, I think we went out to visit you. Mm-hmm. Um, so considering the fact that it wasn't like loads of people were doing it. I mean, how did your friends around you take it? I say I mean supportive in general mm. I they people get it you know yeah. I feel like now people have moved on a lot it's a very emotional way to think about plastic they're mm. like plastic is bad but actually that's not even my message yeah it's it's you know the reason why I brought my own container was actually also we should think about food waste yeah you know food waste contributes a lot to the landfill and mm. then you know a fun fact for mm. you okay yeah how much, how long do you think it could take for a head of lettuce to decompose in a landfill? I don't think it would because it's in a plastic bag. So the the things that decompose the lettuce aren't actually going to get to it. Yeah, or even not even a plastic bag, just, just a raw head of lettuce. If it went into um, just a normal, you know, field, it oh, would okay. take it would take a few weeks months yeah uh but in a landfill it's different situation it's different it's not forever but it could take 25 years and is that because because they line landfills don't they yeah so which adds to the issue of trying to decompose things yeah so there's a lack of sunlight there's a lack of oxygen so it essentially just mummifies Mm. um and then produces methane carbon dioxide all of the greenhouse gases when you're thinking about waste you're also thinking about the carbon emissions yeah. as well so there's a there's a two-pronged thing about it yeah. but yeah so it's 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 the food waste that you also have to think about but then you know it's a balance yeah because if you go to the supermarket and you're like oh, i forgot my rusel bag yeah um and then people get so emotional now they're <laughs> like i can't take that plastic bag i'm gonna buy a new reusable bag bag. you probably need to use that over a hundred times to make that even Mm. so if you actually bought that plastic bag Mm. used it 
once or twice um, and then recycled it, the carbon emissions or and that whole journey to make it would be much far lower than that cotton bag. Yeah. So it's like, it's it's not about being so extreme that you yeah. kind of forget about the balance of why we're doing this. Yeah, because it is... It's, it's become a really touchy subject these days as well. Um, but one thing about the plastic bag thing, which I always find really funny, um, I do quite often see people walking down the street and you know they've had this in, idea in their head. They forgot the bag and they'll be like, I refuse to buy a plastic bag and literally just carrying everything. Well, that's <laughs> the best way, actually. Yeah, why not? <laughs> if you can do it. Yeah. yeah, if you can carry everything, go for it. Yeah. Um, but if, it, it feels like, you know, when you get to the airport and they tell you you're, you're overweight <laughs> and you're like, I'm just going to wear it all. <laughs> you yeah, pack yeah. the bag, you put it all on. That's what it reminds me of. Um, yeah. But with... So this is one thing I think is really important about your zero waste challenge. It wasn't just about one aspect of the concept of zero waste. It wasn't like just attacking plastics um, and saying like I need to reduce all the plastics in my life. It was you. You were looking at food as well. You looked at other aspects. Um, what other aspects other than the food and the plastics were you kind of tr- trying to reduce in this mm. waste challenge? Well. It kind of just overtook my life <laughs> or made me rethink my life completely oh, wow. because I then started off, you know, supermarket shopping and you're like, okay, I get it now. The food wrapped in plastic. Okay. Mm. I can go to, we call them wet markets in Hong Kong or the local market yeah, yeah. Um, get things um, without packaging as much as I can or reuse the packaging as much as I can. Mm. But then I go home and then I see in my bathroom, everything is in plastic. Yeah. Everything has packaging. Mm. Um, and then the cleaning products mm. and then also the clothes that I wear, uh, which if you think about it, it's also fast fashion, but yeah. then also um, the, just, just living minimally mm. is really where it took me. Yeah. And how, okay, so I don't need five cleaning products to clean the bathroom. Maybe I just need to yeah. make a bit of vinegar and, you know, um, <laughs> like, uh, what is it called when you, I forgot what it's called now. Where Baking you, soda. Yeah, also baking soda. Yeah. But then you can also ferment your old orange peels and oh. make cleanser with it. Um, and then dishwashing soap, you could use sort of like natural materials for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't need all of those products yeah. that the big corporates are telling you that you need, mm-hmm. you know, one for cleaning glass, one for cleaning the table. Um, and then also really don't need as many things as as society tells you yeah. and it's really just then I stripped down my lifestyle completely and really thought about every purchase that I made yeah. and it was a real revelation and then and then it makes you think it, I mean I stopped that challenge about five years ago but I still don't make hasty purchases I don't yeah. I don't then just go okay I need something I'm gonna buy it now I think about how many times I'm going to use it mm-hmm. etc yeah um I was gonna ask about um because you said it you know it really did change your life doing this challenge um did you find that 
other than people you knew, did you find that, I won't call them strangers because that sounds like stranger danger, but people you did know were interested in what you were doing? Uh, yeah. The good thing that, that came out of the whole challenge was that I uh, was then able to share my experience with a lot of corporates. Mm. I mean, <laughs> a lot of corporates <laughs> love to, you know, have ha, have a f- good story and yeah. then share and then talk about uh, waste. And um, so I've done a lot of corporate talks mm. um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I've met so many different types of people uh, from bankers to you know schools mm-hmm. school projects etc but everyone is interested yeah in why a, that kind of lifestyle is appealing yeah everyone is interested in why it's harmful to the environment mm-hmm. so it's just you know I position it a way of like you don't have to do everything yeah just try one thing and then maybe it will inspire you to try, try something else. Mm-hmm. So there's small aspects and think different. It, it hits our lives, you know, 360. You can, yeah. you can join at any stage that you are. Yeah. And did you, because I've seen this term kind of battered around eco-anxiety. Mm. Um, and it's normally, like, when I've heard about it, it's always talked about in terms of, like, young people. Like, young people are getting so anxious because, you know... Partly because they're powerless, they like they can't vote people into power who are actually going to help the situation, and also because they are going to have to live with it. So it feels to them that we're creating all the drama, like prop drama, <laughs> we're creating all the problems, and they're going to have to live with with the consequences. Now, as that applies, the concept not so much of that, but the concept of eco anxiety. When you were doing this zero waste challenge, did you get like anxious and like? frustrated with it or were you feeling very much like no I can like I can do this this is gonna be positive like how how did it make you feel internally I think it was a roller coaster like anxiety one day and then positivity the next Mm. it really it depends on the type of people that you surround yourself with as well so like I was my aim was to really make sure that I talked to as many people as possible and reached as many people Mm. as possible to talk about the issues but then you get a lot of cynicism on the other side of like oh it's not the consumer and it's true you shouldn't put a lot of weight on the consumer or responsibility because it really comes from corporates themselves and it's really doing your research and making sure that they're being held accountable Mm. as well. So, I mean, there there are... It was ups and then there were downs and there still are. And it's really hard, but you do get inspired Mm. by small things that happen, you know, slowly... um, Countries are banning single-use plastics. Yes. Um, it could, you know, yeah. So there's a other... So it really pushes companies to think of other alternatives of yeah. what to push to the market, what actually makes sense. We're not just talking about bioplastics then as a replacement. You know, mm. can we bring in reusability yeah. into it? Um, can we just look at reducing a lot and changing the design of a lot of materials as well. Um, I actually wanted to touch on something you said about minimalism um, and kind of touching on consumerism and how that's partly causing the issue. Um, So within fashion, for example, um, 
I don't think a lot of people know this, but within sustainability, it's very well known that fashion is a massive cause of the climate problem, pollution, in the way it's made, sourced, you know, a lot of things. And in terms of when you were doing the challenge and even just now, how what things do you think you can do as the consumer if you are conscious of these things and if it matters to you? Mm. It's really hard when you're looking at fashion because mm. you really have to do your research because it's not just about the quality. Obviously, just common sense wise, if you invest in something that's a bit more expensive, a bit more higher quality, it will yeah. last a bit longer. Yeah, That's the main thing to think about. Mm. But then you also have to think, is that the main issue that you that you want to address because yeah. there's the waste one part but then there's also um supply human chain. supply chain mm. and then human rights uh, as well down the supply chain and, and then looking at workers rights there yeah. you know these these big companies they're just passing it on to a third party all of this all of the responsibility so they're saying oh it's down the supply chain mm. i don't need to be responsible for for the workers um in these factories because i'm just buying from the factory yeah so that's all passed down so then you think you really have to do your research then and what i like to do is just um go with smaller brands mm. brands that you know have a main message on the website and then or you know they yeah. talk about the if they if they can be more um transparent about the materials that they source for example mm. the cotton mm. uh, which is very very hard to go down that supply chain because yeah. you're really looking at a very water intensive product yeah. um the workers could be uh, workers rights could be violated um you know who who is actually making your clothes so you you really have to do that research so I have a really good friend, actually, um, who started a company called Finch, F-I-N-C-H. I think mm -hmm. on Instagram it's Choose Finch. Okay. Um, and they do comparisons for the everyday consumer oh, of, cool. like, you're having anxiety about, <laughs> you know, what kind of t-shirt to buy or what kind of blue roll to buy mm -hmm. they were i mean they're based in the u.s but you know it's, it's the general idea so they they get experts in and they really study each product yeah um and then they give you um they sort of weigh out mm. everything for you so i think that's like going to websites like that that can help you do that comparison because not every consumer has the time yeah you know it's like i just want a pair of shoes i don't want to spend hours researching it um yeah so it's the use the tools around yeah. you but it's also not as simple as you know adidas saying it's yeah, uh, now, um, guys, now we've we've got this eco brand. Right, right. <laughs> Just right. the one though, and it's three pieces. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Or H and M having a sustainable brand, yes. which you know, it's maybe it's made with recycled materials, but maybe a small percentage of it is made with recycled materials, and they're slapping that brand on. Um, so that is really for the consumer that wants to do good but it's um, not it has yeah because that that a lot of a lot of sustainability advocates and people in that space came out and were like this is greenwashing and a lot of those people were actually quite angry because they kind of co-opted i think they were mostly younger members in that space for that advertising campaign it was a i remember it was a bit of an uproar at the time but 
I think it was just an uproar within the sustainability space. Mm. I think to the general consumer, I don't think they were aware at all. Yeah, people just want to feel good when they buy something. Yeah. So if you're saying that my shoes are going to save a turtle, then you're like, okay, great. But then you just need to do the research of how they're doing it, what materials, how much percentage of it, you know, um, don't always believe what the big brands are saying. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that really speaks to a wider issue of big brands co-opting various um, initiatives. And I always say spaces and energies. And I think I know it sounds really airy-fairy, but that's the place I'm in, people. That's where I am at these days. But, um, you know, for example, with like graffiti artists and now like big companies are doing like the graffiti uh, posters and stuff and... um, hip-hop culture Mm. and black culture and the way that gets co-opted into big corporations. Yes. You know, it's seen all over the place, but I think it's not talked about as much with the sustainability sector, but it's 100% happening. Mm. Um, Yeah, sorry, that was just my two cents. I mean, (laughs) companies just want to tick a box, though. They don't want to be left behind. They want to be seen as as forward-thinking, Um. For investors' sake and, you know, for, for, for the consumer trust in that way. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's a complicated issue. It's not, it's not easy to find out as well. Super complicated. Okay, so I'm going to move into the quick fire game. Okay. We are going to come back to sustainability, but I'm going to take a little <laughs> break. Okay. Okay, so it's just a what would you rather... Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's quite easy. Okay. It's There's no right or wrong answer either. I know you're a bit... Yeah. <laughs> you're like, I'm really not good at these, but it's going to be fine. Okay. So, walk by the canal or walk by the river? Canal. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just... <laughs> I write these things down and then I try and read them and I'm like, what? Okay, I was going to say garage and then I realised it's garage music or grind music. <laughs> garage. Um, grind? Grime. Grime. Oh, I was like, grind music. Uh, (laughs) Garage. Garage. Okay. Uh, Mayonnaise or ketchup? Can I combine them to make a pink sauce? Oh, like burger sauce? Yeah. No, pick one. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Mayonnaise. (laughs) West London or East London? Oh, that's really tough. I'm from West London, but I lived in East London. I'd say East. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Buses or the tube? Tube. All right, we learned a little bit about Hannah. Yeah, though it needs some air conditioning, although yeah. also that's bad for the environment. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it's bloody hot on the tube. <laughs> Elizabeth Line, have you been on it yet? No. Wow, it is, it's pretty lush. To be fair, it was so expensive and so over budget and so overrun on the timescale. Um. It needs to be, yeah. but it's really nice. Like, I was sitting on it, I was like, oh, this is lovely. It's having, like, a real, like, moment of just, like, it's just amazing, all this engineering. Because it really did feel like that. Like, it's it's much deeper than m- a lot of the tubes I've been on. It's probably similar to, like, Covent- oh, sorry, I'm going down my engineering road. Um We'll move off. I, I digress. I will, I will take this. <laughs> It's because I work with, like, tunneling engineers, so now I really appreciate what they do when I was, like, under the... Okay, stop. Right, so next. (laughs) What I wanted to ask you about... We love the tube, yeah. (laughs) 
It's just amazing. Um, what I wanted to ask you about was jewellery. Mm. So, um, kind of like... Because the sustainability conversation is not just about being sustainable. It also talks about ethical. Mm. And mm-hmm. not as this philosophical kind of concept, but as the idea that in order for things to be sustainable, they need to work for everyone. Yeah. So... Jewelry is an interesting one, right? Because mm. it, it feels like it's a minefield of problematic um, situations, especially for the people who are mining mm. um, the jewels or um, sourcing whatever the material is, whether it be gold, platinum, whatever. So what are your thoughts? It's definitely, I'm getting married, by the way. You what? Knew, you knew no. this. No. <laughs> you are invited to the wedding. Um, Am I? Yeah. Uh, it's it's really hard to. Then I got, suddenly got all this ego anxiety, and I was like, oh, what do I do with it? everything? Everything to do with a wedding and getting married. Is, okay. So I have to ask: yeah. when your fiance proposed, was you was that your first thought? Like shit. What am I gonna do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, like, ah, oh, <laughs> this sounds really unsustainable. Um, but even before we proposed, I was kind of like, "Do you know if you ever get me a ring? Like, don't get me a ring." Um, but I'll marry you. But yeah, just yeah, yeah. Don't get me a ring. So, I don't want a blood diamond. Yeah. You know, it's it's really, it, it's this whole world that sucks you in, and you mm. think that you have to comply or you have to get a diamond and then that shows your worth and yeah um so I, I was completely against that I was like I have done my research <laughs> I'm not going to get any new diamond or yeah. any kind of diamond you can get um lab grown diamonds oh now okay which are because actually diamonds aren't that um but they're valuable. Made from, but they're made from carbon, aren't they? Exactly. It's just the fact that... Sorry, going on my engineering chemistry thing. Um, you know how they're made. It's just the pressure and then... Yeah. But essentially, it's just carbon. Yeah. Which, the difference between, like, carbon graphite, i.e., you're, you know, a drawing thing, or a diamond is just the process by which the carbon atoms sit. Yeah. And that's about the process by which, you know, they're made. But essentially, carbon is everywhere. So, yeah, it, it could very well be done in a... Yeah. It's, I imagine it's expensive, though, because the heat and the pressure you require, it's excessive. It's probably on par with a with a regular diamond or slightly cheaper lab-grown oh, okay. diamond. Yeah. Um, which is the second option if you're thinking, OK, I don't want... Because it's really hard to go down that supply chain of diamonds, yeah. or many jewels for that matter. Mm. Um, it's linked to, you know, a lot of a, a lot of atrocities. Also, it, t- it takes a lot of mining. You know, you you really take away the earth to mine these minerals and 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 things. So. A lab-grown one is a better yeah. alternative if you're thinking about it. But also, it takes a lot of heat and pressure. Mm. So it takes a lot of energy to produce yeah. as well. But um, a more sustainable way is to get a, a already existing mm. diamond. So um, my fiancé has proposed with a um, actually a family heirloom. So yeah. it was his 
grandmother's passed down to his mother and now to me, which is a very special thing. Yeah. Uh, and it's not to say that once, when it was mined a long time ago, it wasn't related or wasn't linked to yeah. perhaps a blood diamond. But because it's reused, it's actually the most sustainable way to think about it. Definitely. Um, and on the point of, because I was just thinking... <laughs> like a theme on the podcast (laughs) Um, (laughs) I was just thinking um, it's not just about the fact that the working conditions for some of these people who are mining these gems or precious stones or precious materials can be horrendous it's the fact that some of these materials are coming out of worn torn countries so there's the issue of um you know they're called blood diamonds for a reason it's because they're coming out of war and people have been put into awful circumstances to mine them. But you also have to remember that, um, and you know this well, the jewels that a lot of um, monarchies have mm. or rich and famous people have, especially the very old ones, are actually stolen from other countries. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, it, is, it is a minefield. And I do, I really actually respected you for wanting to make every aspect of your life sustainable and not just be like, I'm getting married, who cares? Yeah, <laughs> throw that out the window, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I really love that and I think it's actually a really beautiful sentiment um, and it really speaks to who you are as a person. Um, like if you... Oh, well. I'm not perfect, though. I wouldn't say I was perfect. No, it's not. Mm. I, and I'm not trying to... Mm-hmm. Of course, you're perfect in my eyes, but um, I'm not I'm not trying to imply that. But what I'm trying to say is that you found something that's important to you and you're trying to incorporate into every aspect. It's, it's, the, it's the consistency for me. And I think that's something that a lot of people are always talking about whenever they want to reach a goal. It's about consistency. And I think you, with the Zero Waste Challenge with sustainability, with ethical work, you exemplify that. So here are your flowers. Here are your flowers. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying not hard not to get sucked into other wedding customs, you know? (laughs) Like it's it's really it's it's the whole industry that's designed Mm -hmm. to make you buy something and it's it's such a weird world. At an extortionate price. Mm. Because I swear, yeah. the same halls that are used for weddings and they're charging like mm. five times for the wedding is also used for someone's 16th birthday party and they pay a fraction of the par- price that a wedding pays for it. Yes, yeah. It's yeah. mad. I know, it's insane. So I really wanted to rent a dress, but yeah. I couldn't do it because I'm travelling a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm getting married in the US because my fiancé is from Boston. So um, I decided to go with a charity, charity called Brides Do Good, which yep. is really, really great concept. They have sample dresses um, and prototype dresses that's donated from the brands mm-hmm. um, to the store, and then a third of the profits go to uh, a charity that helps empower women. Um, and the whole motto is really to end, end child marriages. So, I mean, it's for a good cause. Yeah. It's not a brand new dress. It wasn't designed to, you know, yeah. to be, uh, like, well, I mean, it was designed to be warm, but yeah. then, you know, there's something wrong with it. So rather than for it to go to waste, mm. then it's donated. Or you can actually donate your old dresses there, which yeah. I intend to do as well as just to donate it back. So then it goes back and, and goes 
uh, gets reused. Yeah. I mean, I think when you told me about the dress... Um, it's beautiful, by the way, but when you tell me about the dress, um, yeah, I thought that was actually a really clever concept because it literally is that one day, like, when are you ever going to wear a wedding dress? Especially when you have, like, really extravagant ones with, like, the trains. You're just never... There's no, no, There's never, never. going to be a reason. I've <laughs> never heard of a bride that doesn't say, oh, my dress is just collecting dust mm. in my wardrobe, you know? Like, it's not like you're going to wear it ever again. Yeah. So yeah, I think it makes so much sense, and I think that I think that company is great. Um, we'll put some info for them on uh, on the video. Uh, Tom will do his magic. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So okay, I had to make notes because I felt like we could really go off on a tangent. Um, oh yeah. So we we had spoken but not actually properly in depth about this but you had mentioned that in your bathroom you were like there's plastic everywhere um but for women it's slightly different when it comes to trying to be sustainable and ethical and like reducing plastics because this might be a bombshell to some people but we have periods um (laughs) so shocker (laughs) no it's crazy (laughs) so um and there's a like that whole industry is crazy. Like, I remember when we were in school and the lady from, I don't know if I can mention the company, but a company came to tell us about all the products they had. And I literally stuck with that product for like maybe 10 years. Mm. And then it got to a point where I was like, I, this product's actually not good for me. And I had to look for something else. What was it? Is it a, is it a towel or? A, yeah, it was pads. Pads, okay. Um, but I was finding that I was having really bad irritation. Mm. I mean, I have like, my skin's always crazy, but I realised it's the plastic in it. Yeah. And I was like, after 10 years, no wonder my body's like, nah, can't do this no more. And you literally sold that as a teenager. Exactly. Mm. I mean, things have changed a lot. Like, the products which are available now, I don't think I would have been able to find no. in the 90s or early noughties. Like, it, it was not going to happen. Yeah. But at the same time, when you think about how insidious it was that they came into your school and then, and then you know, and they were the only ones. It wasn't like we had loads of options. Yeah. It was just this one company and they came to the school, you know, they told us about the products when really they shouldn't have been the one educating us about the options. Well, the school's probably thinking it's an advantage because it's someone talking to them about period. Um, Who knows? But they yeah. have a vested interest, which is to sell you stuff. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that is um, unethical if you think about it now. Yeah, definitely. you really do need the choice as a consumer. And yeah. you start being a consumer from when you start your period, which mm. is... These days, 12, I'm sorry, 13, 14. So it's a very young group of... Even younger. Like, I knew people who started when they were 11. Mm, And people who had their periods when they were in primary school. Um, And, you know, it can be a really big portion of your life. Um, So what what do you use right now? So right now, I'm on bamboo. (laughs) I'm on bamboo. Sorry, I'm I'm using bamboo pads, which I'm actually, I think they're great. Um, and I use tampons as well. And I'm thinking about going back to a cup because I started with one, but I mean, not. I moved to one, but I didn't find. What was? What did you? What were your pain points with the menstrual cup? It's messy. 
Yeah. I actually read a very good article about it and it really summed it up. It is extremely messy. It wasn't one for like being out in public with because you just don't know what you're going to meet in a toilet. <laughs> so you, no. you don't know no. if you're going to have access to a sink. So yeah. that was definitely a no-no. But it, it was handy for like having going to bed with. Like sleeping with a cup in was perfect. Um, but it doesn't, it didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't like um, every time it, every time I used it, um, there were no leaks. Mm-hmm. And that really irritated me because I'm like, I'm going through all this extra drama. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it's, it has the same disadvantages as like pads and tampons. So I'm yeah. just like, hmm. But I mean, what I really like about it is firstly, people are talking about periods. Because when we were younger, it was literally amongst ourselves. And you remember those magazines? Oh, what was they called? What were they called? Like it's more. Se- yeah, I remember more. Something seventeen. So yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which were like specifically aimed at teenagers. Yeah. And when I think about it, we're really wildly inappropriate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> those have, like, are bad for every have, like, teenager. Tips yeah. on like, like. Kissing is fine and stuff, but they had like sex positions in there. There was a lot, and I'm like, yeah. I'm 15. <laughs> what's, what's going on? Um, I was like, why do I need to know all of this? I'm like, it's yeah. interesting, but it was yeah. very yeah. Anyway, that's another story. But with the, I've lost the menstrual no, yeah. the, the cups. Yeah. yeah, with the cups, I just found that it was a lot of drama for not as much benefit as I thought. Because I was, even with a cup, I was still having to use pads and tampons because you just cannot use them everywhere. It's true. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's messy. Yeah, and I've seen loads of different kinds of products which claim to do all these kind of things. And then you're like, oh my goodness, I'm spending loads of money trying loads of different things out. And it's kind of like, I know this kind of works. And I figured out a way to use it. Um, With the bamboo pads, I actually think they're great. They're like organic and it's um, they're comfortable. They're good for my skin, all of that. Um, but I am thinking about moving on. To, uh, have you heard about, you must have heard about the period pants. I love period pants, I have to say. I have not met one person who has had a problem with them. Mm. Every single person who has ever, who I've, who's ever spoke to me about it, they're amazing. So yeah. in my head, I have like a mental block, but I'm going to jump over the hurdle. Yeah, there are quite a few brands that are out now. I yeah. think only, there was only one or two when I started researching with mm. them. So there's the Finks, T H I N X, which I think were the, one of the first people to, first companies to do this. Yeah. Um, and they have four layers of material. Mm. Um, and it's just, it's like magic. It's just <laughs> so absorbent. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, you go and then you rinse it. Mm. under a cold tap um, and then you'll see that it's that it has held a lot okay um, and then you put it in the wash yeah so it's just super super easy to manage mm-hmm. um, you know it's if so how I uh, usually do it is the cup and the the period pants okay together so th- I do find that when you're out in public with the cup there might be leakage and mm. you wouldn't want that at all um, if I do have a super busy day yeah. then um i i you know i don't don't tend to use that cup that full day mm. maybe i'll choose if it's a heavy day mm-hmm. uh then it's a like a bamboo kind of yeah. or or organic yeah. tampon let's say wrapped in um 
wrapped in paper. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, some more eco-friendly brands where rather than the applicator, yeah. the plastic applicator with the plastic wrapping, mm. these days you can find a paper applicator or even no applicator at all yeah. um, and paper wrapping. So there's stages of which how far you can go yeah. or want to go um, or if it's convenient to go. Mm. Um, and I think just having all of that yeah. ready with you so it's not so daunting Definitely. that it makes it okay. Not like I have to stick with this cup and then it's halfway through the day. It's a specific, like a, uh, like a particularly heavy day. Mm. You know, what are you going to do? You go to a public toilet. It doesn't work like that. No. And um, it's funny you mentioned the paper applicators because I remember when the applicators first came out, it really was like a revolution at the time. Mm. <laughs> it was like, oh, wow. And they were paper in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then they've become plastic over time. So it's quite interesting that now they're, you know, the forward-thinking companies are using paper again. Yeah. Um, well, I remember when it was like, don't get this paper bag, save trees, get a plastic bag. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it, yeah, it just comes round so... of how you think about yeah. what you want to save. I think it's also about education, because I think in the 90s... <laughs> Whenever I talk about the 90s, it's like, yeah, last decade. It's yeah, not no. last decade. It was so long ago. But in the 90s, um, like I remember when I was in primary school, writing, I had, there was this competition and it was like, um, it was one of those like, write what you'd like your hopes for the future to be. And I was like, um, we should stop deforestation and we should like stop using things that ruin the ozone layer. I was a real, I used to watch Captain Planet religiously, so I was on this. And then um, I was also like, and people should stop being racist and like all these hopes and stuff. But we had no concept that plastics were bad or could have the, like, had an, there was a problem with plastics, Mm. basically. It just wasn't part of the conversation then, because I remember the focus, in terms of the environment, it was an obsession with the ozone layer. Well, I mean, it got fixed, which is a good thing. Yeah, I'm not too sure. I was reading something, which was like, what? It's back? There's there's problems with the ozone layer again? We're back. Oh, damn it, we didn't fix it properly. Um... But people have known about carbon emissions and... and yeah, it's been, like, what, 30, 40 years now? Yeah, people yeah. have known about that for a very long time. And, you know, you get lobbyists. You get people who are... Denying for, it exists. <laughs> for, for cars and for the coal yeah. and fuel industry, you know, that, that then quieten down these voices. But we've known about that. There's a good thing, a good point that you made about the plastic is that it wasn't very well known no it wasn't maybe from the plastic creators Mm. they probably had an inkling but then it really we really had to wait a few decades for us to see the impact before we really understood i think it's the seeing the impact Mm. because i feel like i'm sure there were people who were like well, it's petroleum-based. Like, I'm sure chemists knew it wasn't going to biodegrade. Like, I'm just, like, I don't think it was that far of a stretch for them to be like, yeah, this isn't actually going to degrade because it's not, mm-hmm. you know. It's- We've designed it to be super durable and light and cheap. <laughs> exactly. Know, um, but I, you're right, it's the lobbying thing. And I think it's for people to see it. It's when people see the sea, parts of the sea, literally covered in plastic products you know and like the plastic 
um, what are they called? It's like a plastic island that's somewhere in the sea. Mm, and... Great Pacific garbage, pa- garbage patch. Yeah, exactly. Which isn't just one patch, by the way. Several. Tell me, more. <laughs> Tell me more. I did not know this. <laughs> so what, is it just like bits of the Pacific yeah. that have these yeah, patches? Yeah, they're... Um, forgive me if I don't pronounce this right, but they're gyres, G-Y-R-E-S, okay. that are basically like, well, runs around the ocean, mm-hmm. um, and then the plastic kind of like oh. go around it because they're drawn towards these yeah, yeah, yeah. these gyres. So there's five of them all around, um, and it's, so it's not just one island. Um, so it's, what, it's just like this constantly moving whirlwind in the sea? Of plastic, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So... Just, you know, extending the thought here. If I'm a ship and I'm on a cruise, like, is it something I could fall into no, the giant? <laughs> I don't think it's that, that <laughs> it's small. That, okay. When you think about it, it's a massive, massive... Right, okay. um, the, the captain will see the giant, right? Yes. Right. Okay. <laughs> just, just checking. Just lost so many lives to the giants. Uh, to no, the massive no. plastic giants, yeah. Um Okay, so that makes a bit more sense. Because I kind of wondered, like, why is the plastic all coming together? It's not magnetic. It's not like... Mm-hmm. But now that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so that's that's where a lot of the plastics sort of just float and then end up. Mm. And then a lot of it ends up on the coast as well. So it just comes from rivers. Yeah. Um, rivers are the highest polluters because, you know, you get a le- lot of leakage mm. from rivers and then they leak down into the ocean and then that's where they kind of end up. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking about... I don't know if you've seen the Fatbergs. No. So, basically, (laughs) um, in the sewer system, uh, people like to throw... Not like to, but people think it's okay to put certain items down uh, the toilet. Yeah. Um, And... um, You must... Have you seen it all... Fortunately, I've never been down the sewer. Okay. But I have, We I did have at one point with my company, um, they basically took, they found a massive fatberg and they took it and they were like, um, we're going to use this. So they made these plastic coaster things out of the fatberg. I was like, makes sense. Like, what else are you going to do? I mean, these things can be massive. Like, they they can be huge because the sewers are really big. um, And... That's disgusting. Oh, yeah. I mean, the coast was clean. It was sanitised. I wasn't like, I'm just going to put my tea here. And there's people's sewage. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's gross. But the big one is wet wipes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of my massive gripes is when I go to the supermarket and they say, um, this is biodegradable. I'm like, not in the sewer. It's not biodegradable no, in a sewer. No. It becomes a fatberg if you get enough of them down there. So it's 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 not just um, uh, the wipes. It's also oils. Yeah, like cooking oils and cooking things. oil. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a big one. A lot of people don't really know how to dispose of it. They tend to throw it down the sink. What do I do with my oils? So it's best to um, put it in a bottle. So one, you're not going to be able to use for recycling. And you're going to throw away anyway. Just throw it in a bottle and do it that. Make sure it's cold. <laughs> Don't throw hot, hot oil, oil into yeah, yeah. a plastic bottle. <laughs> that will go terribly wrong. But, um, yeah, put cold oil into a bottle and throw it in the bin. So, no, like, you never want to put it down the sink at all, right? Sometimes it is unavoidable. Like, if you've got a frying pan, you cook bacon or whatever, you're not going to be like... 
you know. But yeah, if you're doing like chip pan fry or something, don't put that down the sink. Mm, yeah, it's interesting when when we think about waste and like going back to the toilet. It's mm. like it's designed so the waste leaves us and it <laughs> yeah. goes as far away from us as possible so we don't even think about That's it. That's exactly it. Yeah. It's like, I don't need to think about this anymore. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't because it... How many people are going to see a fatberg? No. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it's not going to happen. Like, I mean, in real life. Like, you might... Sometimes the press picks up and they're like, look what we found in the sewer! But on the whole, most people, they, they just see it and they don't even really understand what it looks like and what it must smell like mm, as well, you know. Mm. So um, for them, it's so far removed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, with the wet wipes, it's really the companies just yeah. confusing the consumer. It's 100%. actually a liability for the consumer because they finished the wet wipe. How do I dispose of it? Now it's the consumer's responsibility to dispose of it. Oh, no, no. And it's not really the consumer's responsibility to deal with the... Um, the semantics of what they're saying because there are a lot of companies well there are some companies who are right they're flushable everything is flushable yes like everything technically is recyclable <laughs> if you think about it yeah if you, yeah it has yeah. to be right you can just use it again like so they're using language which to your average consumer you'd be like yeah that's fine mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you don't know the consequences because they're not saying yeah it's flushable but it might turn into a massive fabric uh, you know, 20 years down the line, if you will do it. Yeah. <laughs> so these yeah. are the issues. And it's It's definitely a wider issue. The owner shouldn't be on the consumer. It's 100% about government and corporations, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in my opinion. But, hey, we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I wanted to move on to our friendship but friendship in general, not just ours, because, you know, not everyone's privy to our friendship. <laughs> you should be so lucky. Um, um, but just to give some context, me and Hannah went to secondary school together. And um, it, it was many decades ago now. Yeah. <laughs> just a few. Yeah. Just taking it in how old I am, it's okay. Um, yeah. And um, the school we went to was an interesting experience. Yep, yeah, we went to an all-girls private school. We suffered. In Surrey, but was a Welsh school. Yeah, in England. Yeah, it's was a lot odd. going on there. Yeah, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going um, on. Um, but we weren't actually friends that close. We weren't no, actually we weren't. that close during school. No. It wasn't until sixth form. So our school, um, was it was a girls' school from year 7 to 11. And then when you were in sixth form, which is, what, 16 to 18, um, they decided to allow the boys to come in to the premises. <laughs> funny you may now interact with boys it really was like that you're now old enough to be trusted we weren't (laughs) Um, so not old enough to be trusted i don't think you could ever be trusted but anyway it's fine um so then we so then we were mixed in sixth form but from year seven to eleven um because we were a tiny school. Like, when I, like, speak to other people, they're like, yeah, there were, like, a thousand people in my year. I was like, there were 40 people in our entire year. I know. And it was split into two forms. And 
That's wild, isn't it? Yeah, it was very small. I'm surprised we didn't... It wasn't a bit like, um, you know, that... You know, where the kids are on the island mm-hmm. and they, like, turn feral? <laughs> um, I can't remember what it's called. Lord of the Flies. Yeah. I'm su- I mean, it was a little bit Lord of the Flies, but I'm yeah. surprised it wasn't more Lord of the Flies. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we were a small... We were small and it, we did get quite clicky. In that mm-hmm. era, especially when we were like 15 to 16. I think we were so clicky by that point. And then a whole bunch of people left. And then sixth form, it was just like, it was, it, I, I really enjoyed sixth form. I know you might not think I did because there were some incidents. But on the whole, in terms of like hanging out with everyone, I much more enjoyed that compared to year seven to 11. Yeah. Because I felt like pretty much everyone I got on with, and um, it was people like, it was almost like, you know when um, you open the window and you're like oh I can see now because it was like all the dramatic people had left yeah and it was like oh I can actually see people for who they are who I don't really normally talk to so we actually spoke quite a bit during sixth form we did prom together Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. in the truck yeah um so yeah sixth form was like kind of the beginning our origin story I would say even though we'd known each other for five years before that and then you went to uni, I went to uni, and I don't even know how we reconnected again. I think uh, when I moved back to London, because I But moved how to did East I London. know you moved back? That was the thing. Cause oh, I don't even know. Things happen like that, don't they? Was yeah, it Facebook? Yeah. I don't know. I don't think it was. I don't know. I think it must have been. We just somehow reconnected. Yeah. But then connect, reconnected in a very close way. Mm. Um, oh, it was before you moved back. Yeah. Because when you were in Japan... Yes. I knew you were in Japan. Ah. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know how we connected, but we did somehow. It, it doesn't matter, people. Yeah. <laughs> Forget that part we, of the story. We, we, we reconnected. Yeah. But then I... Going back to the minimalistic lifestyle, mm. I really have sort of... It's really made me think about my friendships as well. Mm. And thinking, just showing up for, not having a million friends, yeah. but just knowing who's in the circle and then yeah. showing up for them. 100%. Um, which I have been away, so I do apologise that I've not been in the same country as you. But Really? You apologise? No, it's fine. Yeah. I'm, when I'm like, when I'm up late randomly, I'll be like messaging you because yeah. I know you're on a different time zone and you're up. So I'm like, hey, maybe she's around. But it's so important to mm. have that and... Yeah. And be aware of that and be conscious. Hundred percent. I think some people, um, there is, there is a school of thought about friendship that thinks that if you have gazillion friends, it your life is more. And I don't think it. For me, definitely not. It's a hundred percent what you said. Is having small a small circle that I can show up for and they can show up for me as well. Mm. And it's really the give and the take. Um, so for me, I really like to have friends who allow me to give because sometimes people are givers, right? Mm. And they never, ever want you to give back to them. I find that kind of difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then how do you get vulnerable? They're so closed. Exactly. It's almost like a defense system. Like, no, I won't let you give because I feel like I will owe you all. Mm. And it's yeah. not about that. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's always a bit... It's not a red flag, but it's a concern for me. So I like to be able to... Um, I like friends who allow me to give as much as they give to me. 
Um, and on that subject, I think, you know, have you heard of the love languages? Um, I think you did mention this before. Because I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> it's a book I've never read, but I just know about it. Okay. Um, it's also an audio book, blah, 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 whatever. Um, but, it, um, that, like, there are, I think there are five love languages. Mm-hmm. And one of them's like acts of affirmation, like saying someone's beautiful, I love you, blah, 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 all that good stuff. Um, and then another one is gifting. Like another one is like giving people your time, all these things. But I have found, I find it really interesting because now I'm aware of them. They're supposed to be for relationships, but I see them in my friendships. I have a friend who is 100% the gifter. <laughs> like, and that's how she shows love. Yeah. And it'll be really random. She'll be like, I just bought this for you and I'll be like it's not my birthday it's not Christmas <laughs> you know and I'm just like why has she done this and it's because that's how she shows affection yeah um, and I, and I, and now I just see it whereas once upon a time I would have been like that's so weird why did she buy this for me um, and I think in friendships it is really about understanding what people's love language is yeah yeah that's really interesting because yeah. I'm always like oh no you're too nice but then <laughs> but then if you understand that person mm. and then you know that that is what makes them happy yeah then like okay then you can understand yeah sort of take that love a bit more exactly because I think you know everyone's always kind of obsessed with like romantic relationships and like mm. and like especially in like tv and film and all of that that's all we see but I do think there is a place a special place for friendships and they should be held up high well you, it's also unrealistic to think that this one partner yeah. that, you, that you know you're meant to find for the rest of your life is meant to be the someone that you you know bitch about work <laughs> to someone who then you know pays your bills with you yeah. you know like it's just too demanding to think that they can fulfill every part of your needs mm. And you do need different people to do that. And then, I, I agree, people don't talk about it enough. Yeah. And how you can't just depend on one person. It's not about finding that that other half to make you whole, because oh, that's not... That. <laughs> it's just so unrealistic. And that's how a lot of relationships, they, they begin... You think that it's going to complete you, but that's, you're never going to be complete, and you have to find other places yeah definitely i mean i'm very anti um you complete me i hate that concept like i quite passionately i complete me so um, yeah yeah i i just and i do think like it's it's almost a trap like growing up is a trap um, <laughs> that concept of you complete me is a trap for me anyway because i just think it 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 just it leads to really bad thought processes mm. that and you become codependent on someone for your happiness yeah. and you need to take responsibility for your own happiness um i think relationships are supposed to enhance a situation not make it okay yeah. and it, like livable like you need to find a way to make life bearable for yourself mm -hmm. um so yeah but friendships, like, for me, my friendships are so important. Um, me and Hannah are a, a, a two of a group yeah. of friends um, who all went to the same school. And, like, I really value our circle. 
Um, I think we've had some amazing times. Um, yeah, I value it too. I think it's the older you get, I feel like it just comes with age. The older you get. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Because I remember when I was younger, I'd meet loads of nice people and I'd really just be like, oh, that person's nice and just walk away and not even think twice about it. And now when I meet someone nice, I'm like, oh, they're nice. I wonder if they want a friend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me cling on to you. Don't leave me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's just because as you get older, the reality is you start to realise, like, people who you vibe with there is a selected number of them. Mm. Not, you are not vibing with everyone. You're not everyone's cup of tea and they're <laughs> definitely not yours. Um, so when you do meet people that you can click with, you do want to like make time for them. Mm. 100%. And when I was younger, I just took it for granted. You, when you're younger, you were literally, I swear you meet like 10 people per day. Yeah. For like, until you are 25 or something. It's like constantly meeting new people. So you just think oh. that's how it's always going to be. Also pre-COVID. That's <laughs> true. That's true. COVID has definitely changed my perspective. I've been in Hong Kong for, th- I mean, for a long time and three years of the p- pandemic. I've not met anyone. <laughs> not one new person for three years. <laughs> I'm so bored of you lot. <laughs> new people. <laughs> it has been hard. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's been, it was very different over here. We have a very, um, I don't know, I'm not going to be too critical, but it has been very different. It's been very like, let's just see how it's going. Just wash our hands for 20 seconds and it'll be fine kind of situation. It's been a bit laissez-faire. Whereas in Hong Kong... Yeah, it was hardcore, wasn't it? It's still a zero COVID policy. Mm. So any whiff of a case and they're like, shut down the city. You're not allowed to do anything. You get sent to government quarantine camps and everything. Mm. So oh, it's the other extreme. So I wish there was something a bit more... In the middle, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I... Yeah, I mean, I just hope... I hope it doesn't last too long. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope COVID goes away one day. But in the meantime, you know, it's amazing to have you in town. Thank um, you. Because yeah. it has been so long now. Partly because of COVID. Because mm-hmm. you, you, you used to come, like, every summer. Yeah, I haven't been back home to see my immediate family at all here yeah. for three years. So yeah. that is a significant amount of time. Yeah, definitely. Could have got a degree and stuff. I, I know. You did in COVID. Yeah. <laughs> Could have went to university this whole time, yeah. Again. Yeah. And again. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I, I, I don't often do this, but because we're friends... Do you have questions for me? <laughs> oh, um, ooh, I wanted actually when you were talking about school, mm. <laughs> I felt like oh, my yeah. experience of school because we weren't that close. We we yeah. were, we rolled in different circles in we school. We did, we yeah. did. Um, I want to know what your experience was. I know. There was a lot there. I don't know if you even want to unravel that, but I like... would love to. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for giving me the opportunity. <laughs> um, it's a lot, and I think to put it into context, like um, there was a lot of um, juxtapositioning happening with my, when I was there. Um, I say when I was there, I literally went from year seven all the way to the end. I was there for the whole thing. It was yeah, mm-hmm. um, but my time at that school. It was really difficult. Like, 
and the crazy thing, so I went to, um, the school we went to was a boarding school. Um, Hannah was a day girl. I was a boarder. Um, also, my family is working class. That school was not working class. Yeah, I, um, my family. Yeah, exactly. Both of our class. families are working class. Yeah. And there was definitely, and I kind of knew it was coming because, like, my mum was really adamant um, that I go to a private school. Because, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you know, she's from Nigeria. She went to a boarding school. She's like, I went to a boarding school. You must go to a boarding school. I said, like, I don't understand this concept, but um, okay, <laughs> we sure. go, we move. Um, and, you know, the saving grace for me of that school was the boarding house. Mm. So I hated the day school, like quite passionately. I think it was quite obvious um, that I had many issues with a lot of my teachers. Some of them loved me though. So it wasn't just, it wasn't just me being naughty and I wasn't naughty. No. I was more rebellious, I think. I don't think you were naughty at all. You were just speaking the truth and you Thank were you. treated... Uh, yeah. badly I have to say by the staff by the teachers it was a little um, Matilda-ish I'm big you're small like there was definitely yeah. that and there was also the fact that because I was the kid on the scholarship there was this sense that I should be grateful to mm-hmm. be there and just accept any crap they threw my way I was supposed to be like oh thank you so much and you owe me kind of thing yeah, yeah. and I never had that mentality I was like I spent ages studying for these exams and I passed them, not you. So I made my way here. And I always had that sense in my head to my mum's dismay because I really felt for my mum. The amount of time she had to come to that school because of whatever had happened. Um, yeah. and, and the school was like, what, an hour and a half from London? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, my mum put in a good shift. Well done, mum. But, um, yeah, no, I, I struggled. And honestly, I put a lot of it behind me mentally like just kind of blocked it out like they, I was in university so after I finished that that school I went to university in Montreal <laughs> more to just get away yeah <laughs> so I gotta get out of this country um but um w- while I was at university I remember having like f- weird flashbacks where I'd be like was I head of house yeah and I'd be like was I did I dream that I was like oh my goodness I was head of house it's, it, it, it became like, it was like a weird trauma response because in a way, it was a little bit traumatic for me. I'm, it, I'm not saying like I, people have gone through much worse, but it, it's the seven years of prolonged feeling. Like, it, it was like every morning I had the fight mentality. Like, mm. that was my mental brain. And I didn't realise it until I went to university and the, it just, I just, like, physically, the stress levels were lower I was so much more relaxed, even though I was at university doing a degree, which was actually challenging. Yeah, I've, I, I, it, um, you must have been traumatized because it was <laughs> yeah, a daily was. battle of. It was quite being a lot. told that you were different. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And I remember having one incident with a teacher, where all I said, um, it was uh, the mm-hmm. head of sixth form. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't even know what had happened, but I said, you know what? I feel like I've got a target on my head. And then she was like, it's not because you're black. And I was like, I didn't say that. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> it was something along those lines. And I remember being like, I didn't say that, but we all know that's what it's about, really. Mm-hmm. It's about 
it, and it's not just being black it's being working class and not from Surrey because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. there was definitely this mentality that like oh she's the poor inner city kid and we've like we're saving her and um I guess I didn't want to be saved yeah <laughs> I don't know what to say um yeah but I mean in a way what helped me get through all of that is I had some fantastic teachers like Mrs Muir mm-hmm. Mrs Stranahan like I loved those women. Like, they really helped me in my education because a lot of the time I felt like I was battling to be educated. Yeah. Um, the chemistry drama with mm. the chemistry teacher in sixth form. Like, there were so many different things where I felt like... They didn't want you to... They wanted to... me to conform mm-hmm. and I was not willing to conform. Mm-hmm. Like, they got my accent and that was all I was willing to give. <laughs> because I didn't used to speak like this when I, sh- when I showed up at that school. Um, so, yeah, I wasn't willing to conform. And it, it really bothered a lot of people. And I, it was really surprising how non-conformity... Mm. And it's not like, I'm not hurting you. I'm not trying to persuade you to do it my way of things. I'm just not doing it your way. How that can piss so many people off. Yeah. yeah. And I find it quite... I'm quite. I was quite inspired. I I was oh. so malleable at school that uh, I was different. It was yeah. made to feel different, but I conformed. Right. So I kind of just sat back and I was like, "Go on, yeah. <laughs> you do it for the rest of us." But you know, it, it is inspiring to have you. I mean, it must have been exhausting, but you mm. like d- fighting that daily battle. I do feel like a lot of the boarders were like that, though. Mm. <laughs> I felt because because we were fighting it literally at home and at school. We were just like, we're in. <laughs> there was no rest, so we were like, right, we're here for this morning, noon, and night. We're here for it, and, <laughs> and that kind of because it wasn't just me as a boarder who had issues. Yeah. There were quite a lot of us. Like, when I think about the borders versus the day girls, there were some day girls who had issues, I'm not going to lie. Like, we had some incidents at our school, a lot of it surrounding boys, mm-hmm. which really killed me. Because I'm like, they're not even here, and they're causing drama. But, um, yeah, I did find the borders, because in the boarding house there was drama as well, mostly coming from the teachers, not from within ourselves. Um, we just had this... We, we had a little bit of a battle mentality. Not everyone experienced it, but some of us did. And so that's kind of how we were. To be fair, though, it's not like I came to the school like this, <laughs> this really lovely child. And then I was like, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I, that, it, it was kind of my spirit as a kid. And I think being a London kid, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. have a way different mentality to kids in the suburbs. Like... Yeah you experience things in a really different way. You see different things. Um, Like, I was really shocked by some of the things some of the girls at the school said and thought, because I was like, what? Mm. Excuse me. I don't know if you were there, but one girl asked me what colour my blood was. I remember that so clearly. You were there, right? Yeah. I was like, I was just gobsmacked when you... Well, I mean... It's just ignorance, right? It is and ignorance, then, but it's, then it's, har- it's harmful because... For me, I was like... I mean, I, d- I didn't even give her a proper answer. I said it was purple. Like, yeah, I remember you... <laughs> you know, I'm not taking you seriously when you're talking yeah. to me like that. But that that was the atmosphere. Yeah, that, that sums it up. If you say that, that was the essence of the school, of just, like, innocence and not knowing... And and just just being oblivious, but in a very 
in quite a like actively violent way. Yeah, <laughs> you well, know, I mean, like microaggressive way. Yes, yes, yes. It yes, was yes. very microaggressive mm-hmm. in like just various ways of doing things. Like <sighs> there, there. Like I always say, I could talk for hours about the number of things, but also some really great things happened. Like my English teachers were amazing. Um, we met and uh, like. I do find one funny thing about that school is I feel like when I bump into people that went to that school, it's all love. <laughs> Not with everyone, but actually, it is all love. Even with people I didn't like back then. Yeah. They're still nice to me. So yeah. it was a bonding experience, I guess. Yeah. Oh, it is learning experience for everyone. I think everyone needed to to, yeah. to go through that. But then, yeah, it was it was definitely unfair on you but yeah and it was unfair on you as well and it was unnecessary that's the one thing I always thought about it it was unnecessary for people in their 40s and 50s to treat people who are in their teens and kind of literally coming of age the way we some of us were treated Mm. um they should have known better Mm. I mean I don't think it would so much I'd hope not to think that there's, I mean, I mean, now you'd think that teachers and, and, and heads of school would be more educated in inclusivity. <laughs> um, yeah, you'd hope that, that the, the environment now, I, even I think, in a posh private school, <laughs> uh, that it's, it's more inclusive. I think it really depends. Mm-hmm. I think it depends on leadership. Mm-hmm. Because that was one thing that, because we had different headmistresses during our time there, and I noticed the difference. I thought my first headmistress was bad. I had no idea. The second one came, I was like, this is the, this is hell. (laughs) This is so bad. So, um, yeah, I think it's about leadership and direction. Um, But also the society we live in is very different. Like the concept of non-binary did not, like, I did not know it when I was a teenager. No, no. And I thought I was really forward thinking. I didn't even know what it meant. So, um, yeah, things have changed a lot. And I think, I feel like, all children, whether you're in the suburbs, the countryside, or um, the cities, because there's so much information. Like, we grew up when the internet was going... And people were like, get off the phone! And, you know, we didn't have broadband, you know? So we grew up in a very different time where information was not easily accessible. Do you remember you had to get that thing, um, the encyclopedia CDs? I don't, I don't have CDs. There were CDs that you put in the computer. I can't remember what it was called. And it was like this encyclopedia. And you'd like, you'd like search in the engine. That's hilarious. It was yeah. basically Google. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, you yeah. paid a lot of money for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you would find out information that way. Um, whereas now you can find your tribe because of the internet. Whereas you could not do that. Like if you lived in the back I don't know, the suburbs or, like, somewhere where everyone was pretty much the same and if you didn't fit into that, you were going to feel really alone unless Mm. you could find someone who could, like, I don't... I'm not you and I don't really understand you, but I'm willing to empathise, like, unless you could find that person. Mm -hmm. Whereas now, you don't even need to be in the same country and you can find people who are, like, on your wavelength and you can talk to them any time of the day. Like, it's it's a different... It's a different world in many ways. So, hopefully... Yeah, it's hope for the future. Yeah, let's hope, people. <laughs> and I think on that note, we should end. <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It was super fun. It was super fun. It is super fun. And we're going to have even more fun um, in a few weeks. Um, sorry, yeah. you're not invited, people. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I thought you meant with your more podcasts, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll have more podcasts coming. Forget the podcast. We're probably going to take a little break because um, I've got some weddings to attend. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, there will be more with the podcast. Um, but yeah, today has been about eco lifestyles and it's been amazing. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs>